You're listening to Berlin Psychoanalytic Podcast. This episode is part of the series on the effectiveness of psychoanalysis. Effectiveness of psychoanalysis for depression with Dr. Nicolas Lorenzini. Psychotherapy works, okay? We have seen that. Psychoanalysis is one of the psychotherapies that actually works, but it's not the only one. And we were saying that no psychotherapy works in 100% of the people. And it seems to be that the different psychotherapies work in different groups of people. Even though we don't know yet what defines those groups. Is, is their personality? Is the severity of their diagnosis? Etc. Mm -hmm. We don't know yet. We are studying this. But I would like to focus in, because we already know that psychotherapy works, that psychoanalysis works as well. But I wanted to focus a little bit on depression because of being a very prevalent mental health disorder right now because everyone either has been depressed a little bit or, or a lot or knows someone who has been depressed, etc. And that's why there is more evidence here to say, okay, psychoanalysis works, yes or no, or these other therapies work, yes or no. In general, if we take all the types of psychotherapy, so including psychoanalysis, that could work with depression, you see that they do work very well if you measure them at short term, so you measure uh, how depressed someone is before starting therapy and then you measure how depressed they are after finishing therapy and you do get a lot of what we call remission. So people who were depressed and now they're not depressed anymore. And it's between a 50 and a 60% of the people. If you compare this to like not having any treatment at all, you will have 100% of the people still being depressed. While with psychotherapy, you will have only 40 or 50% 50% of the people being still depressed. It's not great, huh? it's not 80% or 100, but it's better than not having anything done to you. Mm -hmm. uh, normally, as I was telling you before, the way that we measure this kind of stuff sometimes doesn't reflect exactly as reality would present itself. Because if we measure depression, normally in these studies, people will have only depression, which is a thing that doesn't really happen much. So what we do is just exclude people that have depression and something else, and we don't let them get into our study, which makes our study a bit different than reality. So all these studies have to be thought about with you know, a little bit of a critical mind and going, okay, it works for 50%, but that doesn't mean that in my particular office, 50% of the people who come who are depressed are going to be better. I could think that probably more because people chose me, that I work with psychoanalysis, etc. So I could think that maybe it's going to work a bit better for me. Then you can measure people who had psychotherapy and then a year or a year and a half after they finish psychotherapy, if they're still depressed or not. If those that at the end of psychotherapy were not depressed anymore, are they depressed two years after? And that is what we call a long-term outcome. And normally for every psychotherapy, in depression particularly, two years after, people are still not depressed. If they did well in psychotherapy, those results are maintained in time, which is a good thing. However, doing those studies is a bit more expensive, a bit more difficult, so there are less studies there. What we can say then that works in depression? We have a list of psychotherapies that work in depression, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, um, interpersonal therapy, experiential therapy, and family therapy but also psychoanalysis. Mm -hmm. And they all have something in common. 
we can think immediately, mm, they, they're like, people are sitting down for psychotherapy. But it's a bit more than that. And normally what all the effective treatments for depression have in common is like they're focused, they have a manual, so it's not a, a full analysis of your personality, but it has to do with a focus in a problem, particular problem or set of problems that you might have. And so it's limited. They're manualized. It means that there is a book that says how to do this. These books can be as detailed as session by session. You have to say this as it happens in cognitive behavioral therapy or manuals in psychoanalysis, which are a bit wider and they have to do with what kind of attitude you should be listening to your patient with or what kind of responses you could give or not to a certain patient. Um, but also there is the three C's we call, which are all the therapies that are effective for depression, they are coherent, so they have a theory behind that makes sense, and every element of the theory makes sense with the next element, so it's not a contradictory theory. They are consistent, so they have a well-balanced set of interventions that based in this coherent theory, so you cannot just go and do whatever you want as a psychotherapist. And they have continuity, the third C, uh, which is the psychotherapist actually is there every time he's needed. So once a week you come to therapy, the therapist is there and he behaves in a consistent manner. If we remember attachment theory, one of the things that the attachment figure has to be in order to provoke a safe environment is to be continuous and coherent and consistent. So you could actually predict how your therapist is going to be there, how he's going to act, how he's going to react to certain things that you're going to tell them, etc. The three C's, coherence, consistency and continuity. Normally the focus, I was telling you, is not the full personality, but it focuses on the depressive symptomatology. So it focuses on the mood that has been low, that in, in the, the fact that the per people are not motivated to do anything, etc. And that's what you work with. It's less on changing in relationship functioning, for example, uh, or full personality or full well-being. But that means that we are treating depression and not that we are treating people. And that is an important difference in psychoanalysis. And that might explain the resistance that many psychoanalysts had, had before in measuring the effect of psychoanalysis with this kind of methodology is the fact that this methodology separates people in depressed people, anxious people, borderline people, bulimic people, and not in, you know, a person with certain kind of suffering, uh, a full person. Uh, and that is an ethical problem that psychoanalysis we still have. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to change that. We're trying to Instead of like being measuring, measuring psychoanalysis effectiveness in depression, we just want to measure psychoanalysis effectiveness in people. Mm -hmm. And also it does happen a lot that when someone does what kind of these studies, like these effectiveness studies that we call, and they don't have the result that you want to, it to have, you don't publish it. So you write, you do all the work, you see hundreds of patients, you measure everything, but then let's say I'm a psychoanalyst, so I'm measuring psychoanalysis against something else and psychoanalysis doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have a good result. I'm just not going to publish anything. So there is a lot of like things that we don't know because some people have interests that are a bit outside science itself 
which is ethically like very dangerous, but it does happen. So there are some studies that will never see the light. And normally those studies, uh, studies are negative studies. And because of being negative, they're super useful because it tells us how psych psychotherapy doesn't work, which is even more important than how it works because everyone who has a studied psychotherapy, they teach you what works, but we don't know what doesn't. And sometimes what doesn't can be dangerous. And there are examples of certain people who have gone to therapy and the therapist has tried to do something new and it's even worse for the person. The person feels even worse or, or tries to kill themselves or something like this. And so it's really important to know what doesn't work. And we don't really know that because people don't publish studies in which things don't, don't work. Normally, another thing that these therapies that are effective have in common is that the longer the therapy is, the people who are going to be benefited by that longer therapy are people who normally are more severe. They have, I mean, there is people with depression who have a mild depression and there are people with depression who are super severe and, and, and they, they want to kill themselves and it, life is completely black and white and uh, other people just have a little bit of depression. The more severe your depression is, the longer your therapy should be. And that is kind of a scientific fact. And it has to do with the fact that depression, for example, in severe, in people who are, have a severe depression is very recurrent. So people get well and then they might get bad again if something bad happens in their lives. So a longer therapy would be kind of preventing that to happen. In a short span, people get better from their depression, but the rest of the therapy has to do with how to prevent a relapse, how to prevent that people feel that again. For that, we have psychoanalysis and mindfulness-based treatment. Those are the two treatments that are longer and that they have this like long-term view, like long-term planning. Okay, you might be feeling in a certain way right now that is okay, like you, you came to my office feeling really bad and now you're better, but we're not gonna stop now because we have to avoid that this happens again. And psychoanalysis is kind of the most the central psychotherapy that does that. And we all know of psychoanalysis, people who've been psychoanalysis for years or decades, or famously Woody Allen, 30 something years of psychoanalysis. My analyst had 14 years of analysis himself. That could happen because obviously you can explore things forever, but in the case of depression particularly, you don't want people to relapse and it works. And also, is cheaper, which is a very important thing. Much more important than one would think from like a humanist point of view. And it does happen a lot to us psychotherapists. We prefer not to think about money because, you know, we are thinking about the totality of the person and the dignity of the person, etc. But when it comes to public health systems, for example, you get this like national planning that needs a number of money that you can, that you have to spend and how to spend the best and how to make people feel better with less money. And what happens is even you may, if you do a longer therapy, that obviously is gonna be more expensive because it's more hours of therapist, what you're gonna save by, in money by avoiding a relapse later as a society, it's much more than what you spent in this longer therapy because depression is one of the top three most expensive diseases. And I'm talking not about just mental health, I'm talking about physical health as well the most expensive diseases in the world because you use, let's say, uh, hospitals and, uh, and professionals. So that's a cost. 
you don't go to work or your productivity is like severely impaired. So someone else doesn't make money out of that, even you, less productivity in the country. Then many people you uh, end up using, let's say, the courts or, the, or jails because of things that come out of depression. So if you put all those costs together, they're much cheaper than a longer therapy, even if a longer therapy is more expensive than a shorter one. And that is really important as well. We don't tend to think about that, but if you think about public health, it's super, super important. I mean, in the sense that a long psychotherapy, a long psychoanalytic psychotherapy of depression can reduce the use of hospitals in 60% or going to the doctor for another consultation and using another hour of doctor in 56% as well. So 56% less people using doctors. Uh, which are who are expensive people having 67 percent less days absent at, uh, at work a year um, which is also imagine like 67 uh, is a very very important reduction and it saves a lot of money now you can think okay but i could just give people pills who are like even cheaper and they're going to feel better and they do have very similar effect to psychotherapy a very similar effect but just at the end of the treatment it doesn't have this two-year maintenance. So people who have depression and, and take medication, they might feel really good after taking medication. But when they stop, they are completely naked, to say a word, against the world. And if the world treats you badly because the world is not perfect, you're going to relapse. This is happening again and over and over and over again. That's why psychotherapy is better in the end than psychopharmacotherapy. Mm -hmm. Pharmacotherapy, though, has got better results if you just give it to people for years and years and years and years. But that has other complications like in your liver or the dependence to these drugs, etc, etc. In the long run, the prophylactic effect, the, the, the prevention effect of a long psychotherapy, especially psychoanalysis, it's the most important of those effects. I mean, people do feel better, but the most important is how long they're going to feel better. And for pills, it's not long at all for psychoanalysis. The longer it is, the longer the prophylactic effect is. Thank you for listening. For more content, subscribe to our podcast or find us on our YouTube channel. Psychoanalysis should be free.